This is Beyond a Reasonable Doubt with your hosts, Mark Garrigus and Gary Smith. Welcome to Beyond a Reasonable Doubt with um, obviously my favorite guest and uh, longtime friend, Drew Pinsky. Drew, I I wanted to talk to you about Lori Vallow and get your kind of impressions, especially now that you're you're dipping your toe back into expert work. She is a mother who they call her the doomsday mom because she was attracted to kind of this um, junior varsity cult, if you will, accused of killing her kids. Uh, there's a horrifying tape of her talking to her friend, pretending the kids are alive and safe when, when it appears from all the evidence that, in fact, they were already dead and buried. Uh, they She has this case has taken a while to get to trial because she becomes incompetent um, uh, at various stages. She's yeah. now on trial. Uh, the jury, when they listened to the tape I just referenced, uh, people in the courtroom said that the jurors were horrified. Uh, you might imagine mm. this is my, and she does not want, I know it's got kind of a peculiar mental health issue, but my, uh, my experience, something that resonated with me is she did not want her lawyers to use a mental health defense. And wow. uh, right. She did not. She was cognizant, at least of them was able to at least, presumably engage with the lawyers, but uh, at some level said, I'm not crazy. I'm not going there. I don't endorse this. I've seen that over the years with clients who I think are out of touch with reality or not. Correct. Correct. The the question I want to ask you is what is that phenomenon? That's called something called anisognosia. It's it's why the streets are full of homeless people outside your office. It's the same phenomenon. Serious mental illness is often accompanied by something called anisognosia. This this dovetails into another topic, Mark, which is why we don't help these people when they have a think about it. They have a brain condition that prevents them neurologically from perceiving what the illness is doing to them. It hijacks their thinking. It hijacks their motivational states to make them believe that the things they're doing are correct. So sometimes when someone insists on not being crazy, they are really crazy. I mean, I don't mean that's a pejorative term. We used to use it all the time. But the point is the mental illness might be even more severe than less severe. It's not as though she's coming to her senses. She may be more out of touch with reality. So that's in all of this kind of, you know, I'm, I'm doing my own little data points. All of this was triggered. Gary and I were talking about downtown L.A., and we, and that's that was what was interesting me. And I said, um, you know, when you walk around the the downtown and you see these people, you know, there's an anger. Um, they're yeah. just so frustrated. And they're screaming, and it's almost like they're trapped. And then as I was exiting on Friday, there was a guy who had actually come to security and had said, Please call the paramedics. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I'm I'm becoming disassociative. Or he didn't use that term, but I I don't want I need to I need a fifty one fifty declared. So I assume that what you're talking about. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is there some kind of a continuum here that we're talking about? There is a continuum. So some people. It, it kind of depends on the condition. Like if you remember what happened, people are very aware of what happened to Amanda Bynes. She has a delicate, looks like bipolar disorder, becomes manic, probably stops her meds. And then she goes out on the street and then takes her clothes off. And that's what manics do. And then go and had enough kind of self presence 
to go to call the cops to go, I need help. You got to, you got to take me to the hospital. I, so, Cause she'd been treated before that she has sort of a memory of that. And so it kind of breaks through sometimes, which again is the reason you want to get people into treatment because it kind of breaks the pattern a little bit and they become more willing to participate because they feel so much better when they get treated, of course. Uh, and when they're in the state, they develop the anosognosia. So anosognosia is a term originally coined by a famous uh, neurologist named Babinski. He, he, he's coined the famous Babinski sign, which anyone who does any clinical work will know that sign. But he also coined the term anosognosia. And it was specifically uh, in his day, which uh, was at the Charcot Institute in France, was to talk about a, a syndrome associated with a right middle cerebral artery stroke, a large stroke which reflects motor activity in the left side of the body. And associated with the big stroke on the right side of the brain is something called left-sided neglect, where literally the left side of the body and the left side of the world, the left side of clocks, the left side of everything ceases to exist. So you can take that patient with the stroke, show them their hand, flaccid paralysis, and they'll go, oh, yeah, wow, look at that, and then flop it down, and they'll have no understanding of that having been connected to them. Wow. And, so and so that's a, and that, that happens happened? in mental illness, schizophrenia, and addiction, which people leave out. So it's schizophrenia, any psychotic illness and addiction, you get some form of anosognosia. It, the, the common, a, a, a light version of it is denial. Denial is the sort of common oh, term for it. That's exactly what I was going to say. And we have a public policy that somehow does not recognize that. Correct. But actually, kind of embraces the the disconnect. Is that a fair way to put it, you, Mark? You're waking up to this. You're waking up to it. It 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 it, it, it privileges the, the it privileges these horrible symptoms of deadly mental serious mental illness unless it's dementia. When it when anosognosia occurs in dementia, you're required to treat. But if other conditions create the anosognosia, you daren't. How dare you interfere with that? So when you say waking up to it, for those who don't know, Drew and I have had for years kind of this this give and take about uh, uh, the idea of criminalizing or using the criminal justice system for addiction. And I'm starting to come around to Drew's point of view here. Well, let me put my point of view out because you've, you're actually coming to a more radical place than me by, by quite a margin. My, my my position has been there are ways to motivate people into care if you let us do it. There's something called motivational interviewing and motivational enhancement, and there's you know you can you can and you can you have to ask something of the patient. You have to go. You can't stay here. You have to go there. I don't mean hospital or jail. I mean, just off the sidewalk. You have to do something. And, oh, that's a struggle for you? Well, let me help you. Let me look. Let's look at why that's a struggle for you. Boom, you're in. But you're not allowed to do that. And So I, that's one thing I, I've not said criminalized. I am not in favor of criminalizing. I'm in favor of allowing us to motivate them into treatment and not endorsing and supporting behavior that causes them to continue to deteriorate and die. So the, the thing I've said, I've said one other thing, and okay. that is that when people do get into the criminal justice system because of addiction, it helps me. I can use that. That's all I have said. If somebody ends up there, good, because I can, I can re- that can really help me get them into treatment. So I've talked about, and you're sitting there in the city, with a Mayor Adams kind of um, uh, 
mm-hmm. initiative, for lack of a better term, with people who are in distress who are on the streets. And yeah. he will send a task force, basically, yeah. that's yeah. comprised of police, hospital, social worker, yeah. you know, yeah. the four categories. Does that make sense? Is that at least a step in the right direction? It, it, New York has always done a much better job with with the population. They They have the advantage of weather. So they they have to they can say come with us and they'll come because you're freezing to death and let's we have a place for you and so that's that, uh, but it's just the model of hey come with us <laughs> let us let us help you that's all it needs you can't stay on the sidewalk come with us we will help you we're not gonna put you in jail we're gonna do it we we won't even force you to take medication now the one thing that bothers me about all these teams it never includes physicians or almost never. And these are all medical problems. They are not social work problems. They're not societal problems. They're not, they're not psychological problems. These are brain diseases that need medical management. And we literally have open air asylums without doctors or nurses that are that for within, within that facility, six people die a day in the LA County area. So then come back to mind, which is why I am so resistant to a criminal justice kind of solution because you get these guys who have been poor kids, 20 something who go through the Academy. They've got whatever number of weeks of training, and then you're yeah. having them deal with. Yeah, no, 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 are- no, no, no. They're not ready for that. They're not, they're not, they're never, that's not their, that should, they, they, it isn't their business. They don't want it to be their business, but you need, you need to do something else. We need to do something else. God, I was just thinking about something you said that triggered me. Damn it. Aging brain. I know that's well, that's the we share that. So the Ugh. but if there isn't if you don't have um a model where the cops are the front line for mental yeah. health, and I've repeated it a million times, the last four sheriffs have all said that they run the largest mental institution in the world, which aka the LA County Jail. They do. What what is the solution? Well, you know where this came from, right? You know, do you know the history of this? No, tell me. There's a book called American Psychosis that chronicles it. Essentially, there were three directors of the first, the founder of the National Institute of Mental Health, and the two subsequent directors were psychoanalyst psychiatrists who had never set foot and never taken care of seriously mentally ill. They were busy with their high-profile analytic patients, uh, analysis patients. And they, one of them had set foot once in a state mental hospital. None of the other ones had, and they believed that institutionalization caused mental illness. So they persuaded a bright young senator who eventually became uh, president, who had a very significant soft spot for this because his, because his sister, sister. Yeah. sister yes. had gone through a frontal lobotomy, which is a catastrophe. And Rose Kennedy is on the record having said as bad as the assassinations were, nothing was as bad as what happened to Rosemary. And when I would agree, and by the way, when I, you know, I started working at the psychiatric hospital, there were lots of those people that I ended up taking care of. They were standard of care. Whenever a doctor says it's standard of care, your the hair should stand up in the back of your neck. Well, my uh, father-in-law used to regale me with stories about forced sterilization here in LA. Standard of care. Standard so say again, when whenever people go, it's the standard of care. No, no, I'm sorry, that, that's a problem. But anyway, so um, so uh. So then they so they have taken this institutionalization um, and kind of reacted against it, or uh, or I think this is going to take us right into the new law that we talked yeah. about last week, yes. right? Yes, and so they they so what they did is they persuaded John Kennedy 
to uh, support a bill. And, and his, his last signature before he went to Dallas was on the Community Mental Health Act, which put the state mental hospital, which had taken 150 years to develop, on the road to categorical extinction. And it was rather going to support community mental health centers, which were designed to prevent mental health crises, prevent mental illness, which we do not know how to do to this day. And they were abject failures. In the meantime, the state hospital contents were were belched out onto the streets, the nursing homes, and the prisons with no provisions for what to do with these people that needed custodial care. And if we re- and we have remained in that state ever since. And so when we always talk about Reagan, it actually predates the Reagan. What Reagan finally did was close the community mental health centers, which were abject failures. He had nothing to do with the closures of the state hospitals. Yeah. And the, I, you know, it's interesting too, because is it, could you make a argument that because the correctional officers unions are more, I, I always like to take it to political and borderline mm-hmm. conspiracy theories, but is, since the correctional officers union is so politically potent and the kind of prison industrial complex is so uh, strong mm-hmm. that that's where we do put our resources as opposed to state hospitals or things like that. Because one of the things I, you and I have talked about this, this revolving door where I've got one client right now who, when he's at the state hospital, he's fine. But then mm-hmm. when they bring him to county jail, he decompensates and is, goes into this incompetent where you can't deal, deal with him. Then they send yeah. him back to the state hospital and we've got this endless circle. Yeah. And if we had more state hospitals that were, uh, isn't that a more humane way to handle oh, them? Oh, my God. You remember at Los Encinas, we had a whole chronic chronic unit for people yeah. that had and, and wherever they would try to go out in the world they would unravel and there are people that have brain diseases that require custodial care and they thrive under good custodial care they can go out they can have social they can do all kinds of things but they need the constant supervision of nurses particularly and doctors secondarily and that is just a reality i mean think about dementia it's the same kind of phenomenon except dementia is inexorable. The psychiatric conditions are quite treatable, and the earlier you treat them, the better they do. You let it rip, and they're lost forever, which thus the streets of, of Los Angeles. So does that, and does that, or will that, I guess part of the demise, if you will, of Los Encinas, uh, which is a facility here that we're both familiar with, because I used to put a lot of clients in there, and you were you were basically the director at one point. I, I was the I was the medical director of the chemical dependency stuff, so I was there all the time. Yeah, and then I directed their medical services for a while too. Right, and that's uh, they kind of evaporated in a certain sense. I don't I don't know what's going on over there now, but I do know that the only patients you're allowed to treat are so low functioning that uh, it's a different kind of thing. It's it's almost like a state hospital. Uh, I don't know that Los Angeles is that way now. I have not had any contact with them lately, but I know that the hospital treatment of patients has changed dramatically. But you mentioned because there are no state hospitals. But the laws have followed along with that. You were part. You were. You were philosophically in, aligned with that. These totally, laws, totally. I was there. I was one of those guys. But to prevent us from doing our job, and you get what you get when when you deny the reality of brain diseases. 
Yeah, and it's a because it's a shift in the way you view it. I mean, it's a shift. The, there is a certain, uh, and I mea culpa as one who believed that, there is a certain belief. And in fact, I would argue that it's kind of the mainstream um, that the, that you, that somehow you're inhibiting free will, or I mean, we could even get into a, a Lockean discussion of uh, whether or not it's a philosophical issue. That's correct. And, and you have to see brain diseases closed up in all the different manifestations to understand that what has captured free will is not people trying to treat someone, but the illness. The illness captures it and distorts. And these illnesses, the serious mental illnesses, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, addiction, take advantage of every strength and weakness of the individual and uses it to maintain itself. Why well, we call that kind of thing that's the nature of the illness? I don't know why. And that's to tie this up and I guess to wrap it up until we bring you back again. So that brings me to when I see this incredible frustration and and acting yeah, out that, that is that is psychosis you're seeing psychosis so uh, so that it's i you, you, it looks frustration looks like frustration to you because they're they're bursting out of their seams it, it really isn't frustration it's it's either irritability or agitation or both and then agitation and irritability are features of psychosis and they they just are just coming out of their skin and they can't sit, sit still and they're overwhelmed with you know the agitation the, the the state they're in and it can be, it can take different manifestations. And when it goes paranoid, watch out because they think that people are trying to hurt them and they do what they have to do to protect themselves in that agitated state. Or to bring it all the way back to where we started, they'll believe that, that Beelzebub is coming for their kids and going to torture them. So it's better if I kill them and hide them in the ground from Beelzebub so he doesn't get a chance to get to them and torture them for the rest of their lives. Wow, and that does bring it all together. How do you, when somebody's in that state, what is the, what's your best practice? Medic, it is medication only. It's it's reinforced, calm down. It's show a show of force. So so giving them just four walls is very helpful. Being in a in a in a contained environment with as at least four people that can sort of calmly sit with them. Don't confront anything they're saying it, they are not well their their brains are misfiring i when people are in these states the the patient and the people around them i always encourage them to think of it as a seizure your brain is seizing and so whatever comes out it, it's a seizure why would you if somebody were shaking on the brown on the ground and yelling things out would you start to engage with the yelling it's the same thing and interestingly with many of these medication get with one of these illnesses get what kind of Excuse me, I'm not having a good day with my, my brain. So guess what kinds of medication we use for many of these illnesses? Anti-epileptic medication. And they work beautifully. Wow. wow. Drew, thank you so much. We're going to have you back immediately. I could just uh, spend hours on this, and I appreciate it. Thank you so okay. much. Thanks, Susan, as well. A pleasure. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Reasonable Doubt. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash reasonable doubt podcast.